And a good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to the Amron Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. We are also powered by our friends over at Gray Bar and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura each and every week. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. And if you're watching us right now live on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, you can see that uh, Claibs is in a little bit of a different location than he usually is as he is live from the winter meetings down in Nashville. Claibs, what's the latest? Are you coming on here to break where Shohei Otani is going? No. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It, uh, we got, we, I'll have some with Harold Reynolds a little later. Uh, we just stand around, man. Nothing's going on. And uh, it's the typical winter meetings with regard to how things work. Uh, we're just doing a lot of hurry up and waiting. Uh, you know, right now we're going through a session where each manager from each team has a chance to visit with the media. And we just had a chance to visit with Mike Schilt uh, as he talked to the media. Uh, but other than that, man, we're just kind of standing around. And, and I, I think Harold Reynolds made a good point. He said, you know, we're not waiting on Otani to set the market. We already know that market. And but the fact that he's not going to be a pitcher this year, he's going to be a DH. So those are the only two markets that you would worry about. And that, that shouldn't slow down anybody else. But I do feel like there's going to be some movement before we get out of here. Uh, just listening to some other people talk, uh, a lot of foundations being set right now. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that there just aren't as many players uh, that are difference makers that are free agents this year. You know, that's when you, you mentioned that Cardinals haven't been in on Shohei Otani. And uh, I think they knew that from, from the jump. And I think they especially knew that once they knew he wasn't going to be a pitcher next year. So they've probably known that since September, maybe even before yeah. that. But and I, that's why I like how aggressive John Mozalek was out of the right off the jump. He went out there and he immediately got the three starting well, pitchers that he said that he was going to get. But I still think there's a lot more work that's going to be done with with that too. But he went out there, he got those three, and you look at a team like the Braves who are kind of sitting there, and we talked about this last week. They missed out on Aaron Nola. They missed out on Sonny Gray. And now the Braves are having to look around and go, okay, where's our pitching going to come from where the Cardinals kind of have a few things already set in place? Well, that's something Mo talked about last night, wanting to be out in front on this. And just as you mentioned, there isn't a lot out there. And somebody's going to overpay for some guys for all the wrong reasons. And I think in that situation, uh, you, you have to tip your cap to him. He, he went out and addressed a need of pitching. He went out and addressed a need for experience. He went out and addressed a need for having a rusty nail or two in his clubhouse and showing some leadership. So, so far, so good on that front. And I think there's more to come. I don't think it's been a secret that the Cardinals have looked to trade Tyler O'Neill. But did anything kind of shock you by the comments that he made yesterday yeah, on MLB yeah. Network? Yeah, it was because as as long as I've known him, I've never heard him mention a player in that in that frame in that manner. Uh, and it just basically tells you that they just want him out. And uh, once you say that, I mean, you that, that's really it's really hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube once you come out and say like, "Hey, here's who our outfielders are. Here's who our fourth outfielder is. This is who we're looking to trade." Yeah, yeah. Again, it's unique. It's it's certainly unique for him. Uh, but you know, it's I just think they want to just push the envelope and get it over with. Uh, and I'm sure he might be a guy that we'll see move while we're here. The, uh, because there's some teams that have some interest in him. 
as far as the names go for the pitchers that are out there right now, tradable pitchers that are out there, who is who is on your wish list right now? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if there's one person in particular because everybody comes with a flaw of some sort. I know Glass now is a name that we've heard a lot about, but we also know he's a guy that hasn't been uh, healthy enough. Um, Clevenger is another guy. We hear his name being bandied about. And I'm sure, and we've seen this before, that uh, there's a name of a player that none of us thought was either A, available, or B, the team would be interested in. I mean, they've done this before where there's a name that we wouldn't, weren't, wasn't even thinking about. So I'm going to sit back and wait on this one uh, because you also need to show up the bullpen. And he addressed that issue as well about looking for some arms out of the bullpen. And I think they want some experience there as well. I, you know, we know Yamamoto's still out there. There's actually there's three Japanese pitchers that are that have been posted that are out there that the Cardinals have been linked to one way or another. As far as the trade names go, the one that popped up yesterday that I hadn't I hadn't thought about it all, but now once it pops up, it you know I kind of like it knowing what the Cardinals have to trade, especially with a guy like Tyler O'Neill, Alec Manoa, the pitcher from the Blue Jays. When you look at what you could get in return for Tyler O'Neill, knowing his injury history and knowing that it's been very much made clear that the Cardinals want to get rid of him. Why not, you know, make that exchange for a guy who was kind of banished to triple a last year due to performance. I I think that that's a, a, a viable guy and you know what you do him on short term, you know, if it works for you, then you're good. And if it doesn't, you, you just move on. So yeah, um, yeah, he would be a guy I would be intrigued by. The uh, back to the Shohei news, uh, you know, talking about the Blue Jays, they have the the Shohei camp kind of said from the beginning that they wanted to make sure that a lot of news wasn't getting out. And I don't think the Blue Mission Jays accomplished really, the Blue Jays didn't really leak news, but I think a lot of people just kind of connected the dots as to why their GM wasn't in Nashville yesterday. And the only reason he wouldn't have been in Nashville yesterday was to meet with a guy like Shohei Otani. So we, we kind of learned the Blue Jays were in on the, uh, on the move for that. Bob Nightingale, friend of the, uh, friend of the website, a uh, guy that you are, uh, that, that I imagine you have seen down there in Nashville and had a few conversations with recently just posted on Twitter that the Cubs are kind of out of the Shohei sweepstakes that it's now down to angels, Dodgers, giants, and blue Jays. Who do you like out of those four? Um, angels. That's, that's where I'm leaning with it too. The longer it takes knowing that Shohei is kind of, you know, it's come out. He's a kind of a creature of habit short-term deal you got a new manager that a lot of players love in ron washington it seems like that's that might be where where this ends up and and all of this is kind of for nothing now with uh with with all these other teams after him yeah i I think that uh it makes the most sense for him uh because i don't know if the other teams you know they they weren't that bad of a team and with Wash in charge now, I think they're going to be a much better team. Uh, so that that's what I look at. But you know, at the end of the day, I really don't care. I mean, it's 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 going to be a landmark deal. Uh, it's going to have a lot of hype to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't affect the Cardinals, so I don't really care. 
what is the <laughs> what has the vibe been like there this week uh compared to past winter uh winter meetings about the same yeah a lot of people standing around asking what do you think yeah uh it, the the facility is not really what i would say i i don't really care for this place uh but yeah it's, it's it doesn't change it's the same people uh standing around wondering what's going on and coming up with rumors and stuff like that and you know you see agents and people looking for jobs you know it, it doesn't change very much speaking of jobs uh yadi molina will have a job with the cardinals next year Derek gould reported on it last night he's going to be with the cardinals in 2024 job title to be determined responsibilities to be determined what do we make of this right now with yadi well, and let the me, cardinals let me... Mo said last night that they, he hasn't even talked to Yachty's agent yet to, to map out what's going on. Uh, I think he'll be a part-time guy. You'll see him in spring training. He'll stick his head in the door maybe once a month. You know, I mean, they're still trying to map that out. So that's as far as it's gone so far. And uh, I think they were scheduled to meet today, if I'm not mistaken. Matt, didn't, didn't Mo say he was meeting with Yachty's agent today? So, this week. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Matt Pauly sitting to my left here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll uh, tune into him tonight. KMOX. Uh, he'll have all the recaps and everything from going uh, from everything that's going to happen today at the uh, at the winter meeting. So you you add somebody like him now back to the locker room. You have a guy like Lance Lynn in the locker room. Daniel Descalso now as the uh, as the bench coach. So it, it seems like a lot of former Cardinals, a former leadership guy, guys that were in leadership roles, are coming back into the Cardinals clubhouse in 2024. Uh, outside of pitching, it, it feels like that was another clear thing that was needed that was missing from the 2023 team. Uh, there's no question about that. I was uh, spent some time with Lance Lynn on Saturday, and we were talking about just that. And I just told him, I said, well, where do you get a load of these guys? You know, with regard to guys who don't want to pitch or who can't pitch, and, you know, that, that culture is about to change uh, for two reasons. The, the, the players are going to figure this out. And they'll move. They'll move a guy. I, I don't think they're going to fool around with this like they've done in the past. We will. Uh, outside of Harold Reynolds, uh, what else do you have uh, down there? Who else have you talked to uh, uh, that we can expect to see? Right now, that's it. I'm going to visit with Mike Shelton in a little while, and we'll visit with a few other people. This thing is kind of fluid right now mm-hmm. uh, because of travel issues yesterday. I didn't get here until 3 o'clock. I was supposed to get here at 7. Yeah. So uh, we, we're trying to figure this out as we go. We will, uh, yeah, we'll keep bringing you more from uh, winter, the winter meetings as we get them here on Claves Online. One of the things that happened Sunday night, they announced the Veterans Committee Hall of Famers for the uh, for the next year. Our friend Joe West was up on the uh, on the vote, uh, did not get enough votes for that. The only person that did get enough votes was Jim Leland. Uh, Lou Pinella in second place, falling just short of getting in there, and former Cardinal Bill White also falling just short on the veterans committee vote jim leland very deserving of it i don't know what else lou Pinella had to do in his career to get into the hall of fame well you know the unfortunate thing is they only take one i mean lou was just as qualified as, as jim leland but i thought they took as many as whoever the votes were i didn't think it was just limited to one i thought well, it was I mean, whoever got the votes yeah that's true uh, my, my mistake on that uh but they normally just take one and it, it's kind of a convoluted way they do it uh it's more political than you think i I know some other people who had been nominated in the past and it was basically a lot of horse trading going on i'll vote for your guy if you vote for my guy and 
it's 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 unfortunate because the people we're talking about are up in age. Okay, yeah. uh, this is not a young man's vote, and to see guys get turned away like that, it's unfortunate because they they're not eligible again for three years. Yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of guys that are going back on the list for yeah. uh, for that. So, all right, hey, let's take a uh, let's take a break. I want to get to because I know uh, a lot of this show is, as you mentioned earlier, it's going to be fluid. Anything could happen at any moment, and we'd have to uh, cut things short today. So I do want to take a break right now, and when we come back, talk a little college football because that is really uh, what the big topic is for the show today. One last baseball note. Uh, just want to remind everybody that on January 8th, Claves, you will be the MC of the uh, Alton, Alton River Dragons uh, winter meetings. Uh, their night, the, the keynote speaker at the event at Max in Alton, Illinois. You can go and find tickets online right now. Go to uh, search the Alton River Dragons or go to uh, the Max Facebook page and find all the information to go see Claves talk a little baseball with the uh, with the folks down there on January 8th in Alton, Illinois. We will be back in uh, just a few seconds here on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Let me get this straight. Graybar is a distributor? Yep. For more than 150 years, we supported electrical and datacom projects all over the country. So you can get me products wherever and whenever I need them? Yep. Thanks to our expansive national logistics network. For any industry? Yep. From construction sites and industrial plants to schools, hospitals, and just about everything in between. So you could say Graybar is much more than a distributor. Yep. You could say that. Hmm. They really do it all. Yep. When you need a hand powering, connecting, or maintaining your operations, join the thousands of professionals who rely on Graybar to help keep them up and running. Yep, Graybar does that. Back here on the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Also powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Claves. Uh, you and I were talking with the folks in Ameren last, uh, last week, and they plan on getting us back out in the field with them here in uh once uh once the holidays are over and see what uh what all they're working on there at Ameren, illinois yeah they have so much going on these days uh inside and out and you know one of the great things about Ameren, they're just not the electric company or the gas company they do a lot of other things that we love talking about and uh we're going to get involved in some more projects that they have coming up and uh you know what it's a, it's a great association for sure and what they've been able to do not just with us but certainly in our community and uh, we're fortunate to have them be part of what we do claims the college football playoffs were announced on sunday morning right before kickoff and after what we saw on saturday it was it was really up in the air uh, all the way down to that final selection of the uh, of the show that day. So we are going to get number one, Michigan versus Alabama. We're going to get number two, Washington against number three, Texas. And Claves, no Florida State. Undefeated uh, on the season. ACC champions. The first time ever that a Power 5 undefeated team has been left out. On top of that, we also will not have Georgia in the top four. They were number one all year long, and and their loss to uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game has knocked them out as well. So in the last year of a Final Four, I kind of feel like the committee got what it deserved with having to make uh, choices like this and having so many people mad at them at the end. Well, you know, I thought they got it right, though. They Yeah. You know, I mean – 
Georgia just lost at the wrong time of the year. Bottom line, they lose in September. They're probably in the thing in the tournament. Uh, Florida State didn't play anybody, and they lost their quarterback. It's no different than in, in college basketball. If you lose one of your better players at selection time, guess what? You might not make the tournament, or you might have a different seat. So you know it comes with the territory. You're right. Somebody's going to be mad. It is what it is. Uh, let's move on. And I, I think what we ought to be thinking about is Michigan and Alabama. That's going to be a good, good old-fashioned scuffle there. Uh, it was funny to see the, the jubilation on the players' faces when Michigan found out they were the number one seed. And then when they found they were playing Alabama, it was like, oh, oh, <laughs> you know. So I, I found that to be amusing along the way. But, you know, uh, I, I really think 12 teams – is all you need. And you really don't need that many. No. Because you know what? Uh seldom will a twelve team beat the number one team. Uh the way they're gonna set it up, I guess some teams are gonna get a bye, which is fine. I don't care. Top four but, will get a bye, yeah. yeah. But I think at the end of the day, that's about as many teams as we need to have. Because this has been a unique year where a lot of teams played well. But it also sends a message to to uh programs. You can't keep playing these cupcakes in September and expect anybody to respect you, you right. know? And I think that that's something that we, we have to learn about. Uh, and and if, you're, if you're in a conference that's not very strong, uh, this is what you get. And, you know, yeah, we went undefeated, but, you know, I always look at that, that, that schedule early on. And one of the reasons why Alabama got in is because, you know what, they played a good team in Texas. They did the right thing. And uh, that's one of the reasons why they're in, along with the fact that exactly. So, I mean, how many teams put those sort of teams on the schedule that early in the year? And it says a lot about their commitment to making sure they have a credible schedule, because I think that was one of the major reasons why Florida State was not in it. It was I mean, it it was really kind of crazy that they were went into that SEC championship game ranked, what, eighth? Uh, in, in the in the yeah. nation going into that, knowing that they hadn't lost since week one, that they went through the entire SEC schedule undefeated the whole year, and that they couldn't climb up past that, and they couldn't get up past eight after losing to Texas in week one of the season. So, you know, knowing that they they definitely deserved to be in. And as your point too, as far as the as far as the season goes, let's just say next year. Let's say, uh, what would it be? Liberty would get in because they were the highest rate rated non-Power 5 team. So if Liberty would have been that 12th seed in the tournament next year, you would have been looking at that that final spot between Oklahoma and Mississippi. Ole Miss and Oklahoma, that's who it would have been between at the end for that final spot. Uh, if you're looking, if it would have been the case this year. And you think either one of those would beat Michigan right now? No. Then, no. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's kind of looking at it. There, you know, don't lose two games. I mean, it's one. It's enough to be. You know, it's, it's one thing to bitch about it when you lost four games. I get that. I get Florida State argument with that. If you lost one game, yeah, you have an argument. But once you lose two games, I think you you are not allowed to lose that out of that top twelve. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I I think that obviously two really two losses really kind of puts a distance between yourself and everybody else. But I think it, it, I think I have to look at who you're playing. Yeah. If you, you know, and, and when you lose again, I go back to that. You know, if if uh, Georgia would have lost at the beginning of the year like Alabama did, then I think Georgia would be in. Uh, right. I just think it's timing, man. You just you can't lose in November. Okay, can't do it. Cannot do it. 
and uh, or late December or early December. You can't do it and expect anybody to, to think you're going to be that credible. But there's going to be a time where we're going to have a bunch of teams with one loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it just depends on when you have the loss. And I think it depends on who you're playing. We uh, we have the rest of the New Year's six games. Uh, the rest of that schedule is out. Mizzou will be headed down to the Cotton Bowl to take on Ohio State. I think this game is going to mean a lot more to the future of Mizzou than it's going to mean to the future of Ohio State. Uh, the Ohio State quarterbacks already entered the transfer portal. We are uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably will not play. This is a good opportunity for Eli Drinkwitz to win a big bowl game, defeat a top-ranked program, and just kind of have that on his resume moving forward with recruiting. I, I agree with you to a point. I think this game is bigger for Ohio State, and here's why. Um, they're already catching heat. Ryan Day and his staff are losing to Michigan. Um, losing to Missouri would be, in my opinion, to, in their opinion, beneath them. And if they were to lose to Missouri, I think you see some heads roll there. Okay, so I think there's a lot more at stake for them than maybe they're leading on to. Uh, even without even without their quarterback and their top the, receiver. Listen, man, this is a school that fired a coach because he didn't cover enough. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, and this is Gene Smith's last year as the AD there, so there there could be a lot of shakeup if Ohio State performs poorly against Missouri. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz. By the way, if you haven't seen the clip yet, when he was on uh, Sports Center with Reese Davis, the uh, the comment he made about Connor Stallions calling him towards the end of the interview that was, uh, I, I, I mean, Reese Davis was in tears, laughing so hard at the end of that. That was a uh, that was a real, real nice uh, nice bit there by Eli Drinkwitz at the uh, at the end. Is there any? I mean, with with the Final Four being in this uh, being the way it is. Are you looking forward at all to any of the other bowl games, the Georgia, uh, what is it, Georgia versus Florida State? I mean, are there any other ones that you're even looking forward to or care about at this point? You know what? I, I, I will at some point. I just really haven't had the time to really go down the list uh, of, of the other bowl games. But I, I think Georgia, Florida State, that'll be that, – that, that could be a good scuffle there. That could be a re- – because they're both mad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and they they want they would not, love nothing more than to prove a point to each other, and also uh, the rest of the football world. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, we will have more on that. You will have more with Howard Richards uh, coming well, we're up gonna, before that we're gonna, bowl game. We're going to do a, a huddle up with Howard Richards and Orlando Pace. Oh, all right. Two All Americans representing their universities. Two first-round draft choices, two guys who had great careers uh, in the NFL. Uh, so we're gonna we were all together the other night, and we agree we're gonna do this here fairly soon. That's very looking forward to uh, to that one coming up. Hey, let's take a uh, let's take our final break, and when we come back, we will uh, talk a little NFL and wrap things up. Klaibs is live in Nashville at the MLB Winter Meetings. This is the Amron Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Graybar, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura, here on Klaibs Online. Are you ready for a challenging and rewarding career? There are quality jobs in the construction industry. I got out of college and my career choices were very limited and this provided me with a plan for the present and the future at the same time. I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology and I was making less than I make as a first year apprentice painter. I didn't go to college. I have no college debt. I make more money than the majority of people I know that went to college. Take your first step towards a rewarding career. Visit stlouispdf.org. 
Back here, final few minutes of the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. And I believe we will be out at Munganass Alton Toyota next week doing the uh, doing the show as we wrap up the 2023 year. Um, wrapping up week 13 in the NFL last night, Jacksonville Jaguars were on Monday Night Football for the first time, I believe it was in 12 years, I think I saw. First time they hosted a Monday Night Football game. In 12 years yesterday, <coughs> as they took on the Cincinnati Bengals and Klaibs, um you saw a uh, backup quarterback, a guy that quarterback for the first time in four years, I think it was, since he played at Washington. And Trevor Lawrence goes out late in that game. That was the game of the week, though. Bengals and Jaguars, that was a really exciting Monday night football game. I'm not sure how much of it you got to see, but it ended up going to overtime with the uh, Bengals pulling out a much-needed win, 34-31, to 31, and kind of even uh, muddying up the uh, the playoff picture even more in the NFL. Yeah, they're going to try and mess this thing up like we see in college football, which is fine. I love anarchy at this time of the year. Uh, saw, saw enough of it. Uh, I, I love the Bengals' fight. Uh, I think Jacksonville is still trying to figure out who they are uh, or they in that next echelon of good teams. And obviously losing Lawrence did not help them at all. But I think at the end of the day, um, they got their money's worth. And I think it was a good barometer on where they're at and where they're going and uh, figuring out what they're going to do next if they do lose their uh, starting quarterback. Going into the week, everyone, I think, would have uh, pegged the Eagles and 49ers as being the game of the week. But the 49ers... I, it's it's really hard for me to kind of figure out what was so different about them when they didn't have Debo Samuel. Just losing a wide receiver. I know he's talented, and I know he's one of the top wide receivers, top offensive players in the NFL. But the weeks that they were without him, they looked completely lost. And having him back, they're just a beast of a team right now and look to be back to that team we saw the first five weeks of the year. Well, but they also had a couple offensive linemen that were down with Samuel, too. Samuel too. So I think they obviously have gotten guys healthier to play now. Uh, they're a good team. They're a really good team. They can push you around physically. Uh, they have a very diverse offense. Their defense is solid, uh, if not good, very good. Uh, and they're going to be the team to be reckoned with. And you know what? Probably was a good bucket of water in the face of the Eagles to let them know where they're at and where they need to go because I really believe these two teams will be facing each other again in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's your NFC championship game. Yeah. As you as you look at the NFC and who's up there, I mean, outside, I still, man, I don't feel like Detroit. There's just something about that the, the Lions team that does not give me confidence and they're making a deep run into the playoffs. So outside of the Cowboys, that'd be the only uh, that'd be the only thing that I think could jump in and, and knock one of those two out. It, yeah, but, you know, also, Joe, it comes down to being healthy. Yeah. You know, you oh, yeah. and we've healthy. seen how many how many top quarterbacks have gone out already this year. Yeah. yeah. All around the NFL. So and by the way, as of last uh, as of early this morning, I think they were saying it was an ankle sprain by Trevor Lawrence. So Yeah, but you know what? You gotta be careful with that because it could be a sprained ankle. Is it a high ankle sprain? Is it, you know, a tissue issue? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that. So I think we need to just be careful on just assuming that it's an ankle sprain and he'll be okay. You know, that thing could be lingering. So you have to be careful. Claves, we'll wrap things up and let you get back to work out there in the winter meetings. Uh, just want to talk about the uh, the little trip you made this week down to watch SLU and SIU. I'm sure you were expecting that game. The worst, the worst game I've ever seen in St. Louis in my time watching them. It was embarrassing. Uh, they, they've got problems, okay? 
uh, they don't have the ability to rebound like that. I mean, we thought the Utah State game was going to be a tough one, and it was. They ended up losing that. But to go down to Carbondale and just get the tar kicked out of them, uh, they don't have enough good players, plain and simple. And the ones they have are not committed. There's no fight in that team, and it's disappointing. Uh, we knew they were going to be a little on the thin side this year, but, that man, that, that was the worst game I've ever seen in St. Louis U. And I've been watching them since a kid. So I was a kid. So I go back to the time I was doing the game. So that's 85. To see this, there's no, there's no, it's unacceptable. Period. Yeah. 40 points loss. Uh, hey, hey, Joe. Yeah. Joe, it could have been 50. Yeah. It could have been, they could have easily hung a 50 point on them. Uh, and I give their coach some credit for not pushing his foot pedal on the gas. I mean, you look at it too. Uh, they they were down at one point. I mean, they were down by twenty to Utah State before they made that run at the end. I, I, so that game could have gotten just as ugly if if they didn't uh, they weren't able to turn it on the final eight minutes or so of that one. You know, I had somebody who was, I respect as far as knowing the game has told me he didn't think they could win a game in the month of December. That's not good heading into yeah. conference play. No kidding. So. All right, Claves, we will right, let man. you get back at it out there at the winter meetings in Nashville. If anything breaks, we will do uh, our best to get it to you as fast as possible. Hopefully something starts to churn uh, up here in the next few hours. As uh, what, today and uh, tomorrow too? Is there stuff going on tomorrow or today yeah. the last day? Okay. Tomorrow, today and tomorrow. All right. Well, we will uh, look forward to uh, seeing all your reports with that. And uh, as, as you mentioned, Matt Pauly sitting there to your left. We'll uh, listen to him on uh, Sports Open Line tonight on KMOX and see what they have, to, what he has to say from the meetings as well. Until then, he is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. This has been the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Gray Bar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClaibsOnline.com. Hey everybody, I'm Peter. I'm going to ask Munganass St. Louis Acura. Here to talk to you today about some benefits of Acura's certified pre-owned program. After passing a 182-point multi-point inspection, Acura backs all of our certified pre-owned cars with a six-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty and a seven-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Munganass St. Louis Acura has new inventory arriving daily. Come on into Munganass St. Louis Acura today, meet our award-winning team, and find that perfect certified pre-owned Acura for you.